let's talk about addiction to the pain body. Let's talk about let's talk about recognizing that as a small person looking constantly looking for validation uh, you know not knowing what we're here for what we're doing we're just knowing we're taking in all this information and at some level you start to format this is how I get attention this is how I get loved and then just like at the beginning of our conversation when I kind of put the kibosh on the idea of this one formula of being a widow, right? It's like, just because my husband died did not mean that I lost the love of my life. I lost my best friend. I lost an absolutely beautiful human. I had never even known what was possible for intimate love until I met Daniel. Right. And and so we have a story that we're stuck in and we just ride that out over and over and over. And we keep feeding that story because we actually have fed it so many times that it feels more comfortable than trying anything else. Welcome to the Revelation Project podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Welcome to another episode of the Revelation Project podcast. Today, I'm with Maggie Moore, a visionary healer, sacred jewelry maker, and a chakra-shaking creator. Maggie manipulates metals with intention. Her hands move energy as an empath and a channel to spirit. She's directed by laughter, and her path is one of the soulful, playful teacher. She brings her wit and good humor to all that she does and will give you permission to laugh and release your past while holding you in a sacred space of healing. Well-versed in hands-on and long-distance healing, Maggie has been a Reiki master and an intuitive healer for 18 years. She has crafted a career as a fine arts jeweler since 2007, creating sacred talisman in divine combinations with her healing work. Hey, Maggie. Hey, Monica. So, so, so good to be here. So good to have you. And of course, I'm going to you know, have, have Austin notice that he can keep the intro and then I'll redo, I'll, (laughs) I'll redo the parts that I completely effed up. It's so funny. I was like, what does that say? Um, Yeah. What is, what am I reading? So Maggie, you know what? Yeah. I think back to when you and I actually met and that magical experience of the rock star camp for women with Megan Joe, and just knowing that I was in the presence of someone super special because of what happened to me when I was kind of in that meditation that you gave. It was kind of like it was there was a chakra shaking, I think we did. Yep. Some dancing. And then we kind of all kind of laid in place. Like I think there was a a point where we all kind of laid down and I had this incredible vision. And that's that's how I was introduced to you. That was actually the catalyst for a massive shift in my life. Megan Joe Wilson, who is an incredible leader of women, had created this group, right? This amazing group where all of these coaches and healers and people were coming together to find their voice. And I had been a 
a dance instructor, a teacher for her for years. So she saw me and she actually had told me once that I'm her favorite. I'm her, I'm her favorite dance teacher. I love being the favorite. I love, there's something about being someone's favorite, you're right? My I, favorite. Yeah. You're my favorite. You almost have to whisper it. You really do. You have to whisper it. Don't tell anyone. It's like, this is how I feel. And, uh, and so I, she would ask me to come and just do a really quick, we'd have less than an hour, but it would be an opportunity because your goal was to get on stage and to sing and to open yourself up, to be ready for this confidence. So my job was to embody, get you back in your body. People were coming from all over the world. And so they had flown and you know, there's all this energy and you're in your head and you know, you want to do this and you're thinking of your song. And, and so I basically show up so that my goal is to hold space. Mm-hmm. And to change the energy of the space. But the coolest thing that happened for me in those experiences was that I, as you were having your vision, your experience, I actually started to express my vision of recognizing that I could actually do energy work while I was in this expression of a movement teacher. And actually said to Megan Joe at the end of one of my classes, oh my God, like, I think I'm figuring this out. I I think I'm Mm -hmm. starting to understand that my gift in the world or one of my gifts in the world is the ability to hold space and the ability to especially help other women shine. And this gorgeous gift that I have, which is that I can tap into spirit Mm -hmm. and that I was able to actually get information just by being in a room with all of you. I actually was getting um, source information for each one. I love that. And I didn't, what do you do? What do you do? Do you tell everyone? Do you write it down? Do you whisper it in their ear? You know, do you, you know, and so I think that there was this experience that I was having, which was, um, you know, it's like one of those, you were, you know, you talk about this concept of revelation. And that was definitely one of those moments where the impossible became possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I love that's how we met. And I love, I love that play on words, impossible, I'm possible. Because mm. what else I hear happened in that moment was like an integration of all of your gifts and permission for you, like an opening for you to see that you could leverage and use and draw from all of these gifts in different ways, depending on the environment, the person just kind of to start trusting that you've got this. Absolutely. And I think that for me was that, you know, in my own kind of history of being a healer and a maker and a mover all at once, there always was this kind of desertion of making a choice. You know, one kind of becomes bigger, the other kind of fall off. And the experience that I was having that my kind of one of my biggest life lessons was that, I had this opportunity to move to Maine in 2006, and I actually was doing all three. I was doing energy healing. I was teaching movement. I was doing jewelry making. And then I started to have this weird experience where I needed to go in and something was happening. I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I started to call all of my energy in. And around that time, my uh, first husband was diagnosed with cancer. And it was almost as if the universe was like, you're going to need all these resources for yourself. We're going to just chop off all these lines of creativity and creation and abundance and self so that you can funnel all of this into caretaking. I mean, I basically was a 39-year-old caretaker. 
of a dying cancer patient. And it was an, an incredible experience where after six months and, and, and even, you know, he had he, the experience of pancreatic cancer, which is, is, um, is a really, really rough road and him being uh, very young, we had an expectation that this wasn't happening, right? That, that, that there was something else was going to happen. So when he actually passed away and I was standing over his body, I had this moment where I realized that we have this one shot. We have this one shot to be who we're here to be. We don't know when that force is going to be taken away from us. So the expectation we put on ourselves to be able to handle whatever it is, we don't, we don't know what we can handle until we do. And then we go through it and then we're on the other side of it and say, okay, what's next? And so I had shut down all of the, um, the energy connection intuition was, I, I, I literally pushed it aside. I didn't want it. I, w- I wanted nothing to do with it. It was almost too mm. visceral, too real. Mm-hmm. And, and he actually, my, my first husband, Greg, actually started to visit me uh, about once a month. I would get uh, my uh, computer would turn on at the time of his passing. The oven, the oven alarm would go on. And I, sh- I, I asked it to stop. I, I could, it was almost like I just, I just, I wanted to forget it all. I wanted to forget my connection to source completely. Mm-hmm. And I moved into making jewelry and focused all my energy into this thing, which I do love making jewelry, but I kind of moved the intention off of integration and communication and, and the love and, and what I offered. And I turned it into a product and it became very masculine and it became very driven to how much money can you make and how many galleries can you have and how much influence can you have and where's your marketing and all of this kind of um I'm not and it wasn't that it was a negative experience it just wasn't embodied mm-hmm. oh yeah it, there was nothing embodied about what I was doing and so I I started to see that once you know once I and I also was my own provider I mean I was a single woman all of a sudden and I had to figure out how I was going to do this and I was grieving the fact that I basically was never going to become a mom because at this point whatever happened next and so I was in this experience of kind of saying what's next in my life but what I found fascinating was I ended up marrying meeting and marrying the most oh, like I can't say enough about my husband, Daniel. Like, it makes me tear up. I sent him a text right before our call, and his message to me was just be yourself and you're going to be great. And it was like, oh, yeah, I just have to be myself. Oh, yeah. Right. All right. I just, I, I, all right. Thanks for giving me permission, right? Just be yourself. And so when I entered Mm. this beautiful bond and ended up taking on these two tiny little bonus daughters, all of a sudden my whole life shifted and I started to go, oh, I'm back in the place of I'm possible. All of a sudden, the impossible, like you're never going to have a family, you're, you're, these things aren't going to shift. And so, a couple of years ago, before the pandemic even hit, I sat Daniel down and said, I can't do this anymore. I need to go back to being in service. I want to express these things I came to. And it was like a spiritual party above going, thank God. <laughs> and I started getting downloads of memories from being a child. 
And I started to remember all the things I've done and all the people I've helped heal or shift or open or, and it was like, so everything has just been coming back. And so it's all, and so that moment with you and me and, and Meg and Joe in this group was one of those catalyzing moments where you recognize that you are actually present to your power. So beautiful, Maggie. There's so much coming up for me. First of all, I just want to honor your tenderness and your tears because, yeah, it's like the grief and gratitude are strange bedfellows, but bedfellows nonetheless, you know? And uh, I have that same feeling. First of all, I want to honor what you shared about the death of your husband, you know, and and what that process must have been like and to witness and to be a caretaker to someone you love and watch them watch them go. I mean, how? I I can't I can't imagine that kind of intimacy with somebody that I've been married to. Right? And and what I could really relate to was the gratitude when you were sharing about Daniel coming into your life, you know, because there's this way that that kind of encouragement, you know, that comes from somebody wanting you to honestly shine your brightest light. Yeah. It, it just reminds me so much of who Austin is in my life and how, how much I want that for, for everyone because yeah. He's taught he's taught me to be a champion for myself too. There's been an incredible shift in how I behave because of how he's loved me. Oh, let's just take a moment and just brag on that one for just a second. <laughs> just don't no, just say that yeah. just say that phrase again. Just it's it you know you're it's that it's that it's that acknowledgement of you celebrating your fullness your beauty because someone else said oh by the way you're worth it and you know and the truth is is and you and I have this issue I know we share this which is that may not have been our story in our childhood that may not have been our Mm-mm. our family of origin and and you know what's fascinating and I didn't mean to cut you off but it just feels like a good segue to say my relationship with my first husband was tough, was unkind, was riddled with issues. And so what's even harder, losing a spouse is losing a spouse that you weren't sure you wanted to ever be married to. Oh, wow. I mean, that could be a whole nother podcast, right? I mean, we could do a whole nother podcast about the choices we make, which now as I've married absolutely my person and and my first husband was a wonderful human he wasn't my human but I was there to help lead him to the light and so my my role with him is over but what I learned my gift from that experience because I I had other friends losing husbands at the same time and literally still watching them in a place 8 years later 9 years later in this sanctuary of holding that marriage I never got that experience and I always wanted it. And so now I realized I called it in. It's like you in Austin. It's like, no matter where you were, what you call in. But the way I was able to call it in was I called out myself for what I did and didn't do 
and what I didn't call in the first time. Mm. I looked at my marriage and went, you continued the lineage of how you felt about yourself from your family of origin and chose someone who vibrated the same story. Yeah, that water seeking its own level. Yes. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't actually, th- I, the, the biggest gift he gave me was in this passing and I got to experience what it meant to actually die. You know, I, I'm someone who have had, a, had had anxiety and panic attacks. That's all assumed concept that something is that you fight or flight, there's something wrong. This person actually did go through the experience that we all are going to face mm-hmm. and that most of us have some fear of. And so just being in that experience of going, oh my God, like talk about survivor's guilt. Cause I got to go, oh, yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm getting to actually not only be loved again, but be loved the way that I have wanted to my entire life. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't discount my relationships with my family or with my husband, my first husband. It doesn't actually have anything to do with any of them. It has to do with why I showed up, why I'm here. Yes. And how and how I'm able to hold space for people, one of the best, and I'm sure it feels the same with you, which is the way, the reason you're able to talk to so many people about their issues is you've had your own experience, so you know how to hold space for them. And now I recognize that all these things that felt like dark, dark things in my life have now turned into these incredible blossoming moments where I can look someone in the eyes and say, I hear you. I see you. Tell me more. I have been there. Yes. I know what it feels like to be so out of alignment in your life that you, 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 don't, you don't have a past. And it's like you can, you know, you're the beacon who says, we're going to just light up this one little tiny spot for you right now. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm getting full body chills and it's reminding me. Was it Mary Oliver that said, someone gave me a box of darkness and I realized that this too was a gift? Mm. Yeah. That is that, that, whole, that celebration, that death, right? The death and celebration, the, the experience of really being able to witness the darkest moments that we share. Yeah, and to not look away. Yes. Well, one of the things I have found fascinating in the work that I do. So, you know, one of the things that I do is that I can work with anyone anywhere. This this bizarre world we live in, even you and I, doing this through this experience, everything is being recorded. We're able to see each other through, you know, this Zoom world allows me to have clients in Hong Kong. I've had a Zoom in Egypt and these amazing, you know, times where we're connecting. One of the things I have found fascinating is that the theme that happens is that people show up saying, I know I need you. I don't know why. And I'm going to avoid telling you my real story as long as I can. Mm-hmm. And so I just hold space and I hold space. And then at some point I say, are you ready to tell me? I've had people say, I thought I could get away with it. <laughs> you know, it's almost like, but it's, it's, I, I almost assume it, it's almost like, you know, growing up Catholic, it's like you show up in the, you show up. I was thinking about that. I was like, like, it's the confession. It's the confession. And you know, there's this little, you know, there's this little pattern wall between us and I'm sitting on the one side and I'm saying, oh my God, forgive my sins. 
But the fascinating thing is that there is a truth to this. There is an actual relationship to when we confess the deepest, darkest secrets, emotions that we have. When someone holds space and says, you are still safe, you are still okay, you are still alive, and you actually let out all of this nastiness, and someone is able to say, tell me more, all of a sudden, that story loses all its power over you. Mm-hmm. And that's when you shift. And, and, you know, it's like, like you were saying, when we did the dancing, the moving, the meditation, you, you've shifted your chakras, you've allowed yourself to open, and then your body says, we aren't going to be able to take this on anymore. It's time to let it go. Yes. <laughs> there, there's so many places to go right now, but I go back to that moment on the floor after we did our, our dancing. And for our listeners, what I really want to You've heard me talk about Rockstar Camp for Women, and you've heard me talk over and over again about embodiment. But I didn't get embodiment, like it just was still a concept to me. And still, I started really working with my body. I started really moving with my body. I started really tuning into the sensations of my body. And I didn't realize I had had an event probably a year before the I had registered for Rockstar Camp where I had sat with a somatic practitioner. And I, to go back to what you were saying about kind of the confession, the big confession that I had with this somatic practitioner was that I had never been able to sit with my body long enough to describe what it felt like Mm. to be in it because it scared me so damn much to be there. Mm-hmm. And certain conversations or things would trigger the intolerance pretty quickly. And I would leave, I would disassociate. I mean, this is why I talk so much about the trance of unworthiness, because yep. when we are in our heads and out of our bodies, we are in the trance. Yes. And the way back into breaking the trance, the way back to communion, to keep using these terms, <laughs> because because it, it's important. Mm-hmm. It's like when we realize, you know, it was like I grew up learning about the sacraments as a Catholic, right? But when you really start to understand these words in different ways, and you access them in service to conversations outside of just that very religious kind of, which also comes with all that baggage, Yeah, you start to recognize what those words really meant, their origin, right? Before they were patriarchalized, let me just say that. Mm-hmm. So coming into communion with my sacredness, with everything about me that was imperfect and intolerable and shameful and upsetting, and just someone who could sit with me in it. And I didn't have to run. I didn't have to pretend. I didn't have to I remember her holding the space and finally what I got to was my body feels like a pinball machine. You know, when you like pull the ball, 
when you pull it and then it goes and it lights up all of these centers inside. That was my traumatic training ground. Like that was my experience inside of my body. Yeah. But it wasn't ever going to be quiet until I learned to witness it until I started to name what was happening. Like that's the magic I think of, you know, we can talk about embodiment like it's this really beautiful thing and it is, but it doesn't start out that way. It's fucking messy and uncomfortable and painful and upsetting and triggering. And inside of all of these pain bodies, these energy centers that have been unwitnessed, they are they are the true ghosts. Yes. And they're going to continue to haunt us until we see them, until we hear their messages. And that was the beauty of like just even getting that piece of like, my body feels like a pinball machine. Mm. It feels so activated and not in a good way. Well, what in what are the tools that you can then take? Right. It's like, well, that's the thing too, which is when you decide to take on that level of awareness. And realize that you're not going to be annihilated because you felt it. Right. You're not going to be annihilated. But then the other part is, what are the tools to now deal with this new awareness? Mm -hmm. Because I feel that Mm -hmm. one of the things I have, um, I've had the experience of when I work with clients that I've had clients say, um, I'd like to give this gift back of awareness. Thank you. I'll choose something else. (laughs) No, thanks. No, thanks. Like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, because I'm like, you know, the truth is, is this is just like going to Oz and pulling that curtain back and seeing that there's this little tiny ego that's, you know, playing us like a, like a pinball, you know, like a, like a, ping, you know, machine. And it's just, uh, why am I having my leg? Pinball. pinball yeah. Thank you. I'm thinking ping pong, but it's similar. But, but the idea is, is that when we do pull that back and we start to actually make peace, with the fact that, oh, right, not only is this little guy behind um, the screen, we are actually completely responsible for that little guy behind the machine. You know, we can be in a world where we're constantly blaming, saying, oh, well, this is the patterning of my parents, or I got this, this, this was drilled into my head, or whatever happens. The truth of the matter is your body is saying, hang tight. You're the one who keeps telling yourself the same story. So when you stop telling yourself this story, when we can actually be in communion, that's when change happens. That's when you can start accessing this life that you really want, because ultimately, that's one of the things I find is I'm, I'm a big fan of truth tellers and I hate the blame game. We have this experience we're teaching. So my bonus daughters, I, we are very clear that there is no blaming in our household. And so, and they're little, they're little. So it's all the blame. And so everyone, so, someone broke my toy. Someone did this. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't own my feelings. Someone made me feel this way. And so I'll, I, we will do embodiment practice where I'll say, okay, let's breathe in. Where are you feeling it in your body? What does this feel like? And then it always mm. cycles down into, oh, well, this makes me feel like I, I don't belong or I'm feeling sad because no one wants to play with me or whatever. And then myself at 48 years old goes, oh my God, I still feel that way. <laughs> I can validate exactly what you're saying because I'm 48 and I feel like no one wants to play with me right now. You know what I mean? Or that 
there's this kinship and you're, and it's almost like I find for me, there's this intensity of having these girls in my life, these little ones that makes me even more ferociously wanting to help women because I know that they are lingering in this tiny form from zero to seven. We're all trapped in that body. And so when that beautiful embodiment coach said to you, what do you feel like? I guarantee that started at those ages. Oh yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the magic because instead of us telling ourselves the same stories over and over and over of this is who I was in my family and this is what a blah, 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 blah. It's actually going. And now the story stops, you know, I am going to end this chapter. This chapter is over. But as this coach made it clear to you, the question is, what do I do now? Yeah. What, what do I do with this newfound relationship I have with my consciousness, with my body, with my awareness, that pain in my body may actually be a memory. Mm-hmm. I personally have been working on pain in my lower body and I've been asked, I ask it. And so it's been telling me. And so I work with, I work with my own healers to say, okay, this is what's coming up. I know what, I know what this is about. This is really old. No wonder it's in my lower chakras. No wonder it's in my knee. No wonder it's hiding in my left hip. And, and that doesn't mean there isn't a physical pain. There is. But there's this communion. There's this connection. It's like you're having a conversation with someone and you can feel your shoulders tightening and your jaw is on fire. And, and that experience of recognizing how many times have you done that in your life that there's information waiting for you to be released. Oh, yeah. I mean, the body holds the wisdom. Yeah. The body holds the wisdom. And there's, it really, it really started to occur to me as a big T truth that the body is the way. And again, it's so counterintuitive to what I learned about my body growing up that my body was shameful, my body was sinful, my body was not to be trusted. I mean, we've all had a very variations of these messages. And if you grew up in a religious household, it was probably even more intense. And so, you know, it really it's it's a process and for those who experience or who have experienced trauma, you know, it can be true that somebody initially did something to you Mm -hmm. and that your body is responding to a, a past trigger that will continue to trigger in you. And, but, but when that pivot or that transition or that alchemy happens where we actually meet our pain witness our pain, process our pain, and then express our pain is when, you know, that, that I go back to kind of like what gets revealed gets healed because, and there's a way that sometimes I wonder, Maggie, will my body or my nervous system ever truly regulate? But what to the point where I'm like, I mean, I would love to be like a hundred percent, like always, you know, but I don't even know if that's necessary. It's more that I notice the progress, Mm. that I notice my ability to pause, Mm. to breathe, to retreat, Mm -hmm. 
to reckon with, to reflect, to reauthor. Right. And I think the reauthoring is is ultimately what you're doing, which is that rewiring. If we can rewire without the critic, because... The- and can we just brag on the rewords for a minute? Right. <laughs> exactly. Let's just... That was a really long, that was a good one. That was a really nice one. I wanted to, Thank start, you, I wanted to start doing some, like some snapping. Somehow, let's just, yeah, yeah, let's just re, 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 yeah. re. But it is. <laughs> Remind, rework, rework. Yeah. <laughs> woo, woo. But I, yeah. <laughs> I think that there is something to, you know, I, I was actually, so this morning before our, before our call, I was talking to a client. She's in her late 60s, almost 70. She's still in this experience of um, fighting against her nature, right? She doesn't really like to get up and do the same routine every day. She doesn't really want to do this. And yet I've known her long enough and we've worked long enough that what happens for me is that as I'm working with someone, I will get language for them, like a shift in language. So what if we take the concept of of doing of of having to do to ritual, mm-hmm. and so every time this nervous system, like you're talking about, your every time your nervous system starts to activate, instead of going, oh my god, am I ever going to be done with this nervous, totally in control, is to is to be in that place of witness and saying, what ritual can I do right now to support my body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Not what activity? Oh my God! I got to do twenty minutes of yoga. I have to. Oh, I should be you know drinking my celery juice or being in this place of duty, right? Like there's always this idea that we're constantly having to kind of feed the checkoff list, right? Like you ate right, you did this right, and you did it. Screw that! Like if you actually replace the idea of and, and it all and, and it is kind of bizarre how it does continue to lead back to that relationship with religion because I think that the format in which we're giving, if you are brought up, whether with religion or spirituality in some sense, it gives you this greater format that you can then use the language in a way that feels more special to you. And so using the idea of what a ritual is is starting to recognize the sacredness of your body, of your mind. And ultimately, I think the experience that, you know, it is that question of, is my body ever going to regulate? Am I ever going to stop having these pains? And what I always say is, what I find is it's like that onion theory where once you've gotten to a point where you've kind of released a certain amount of trauma or stress in your life, oh, the universe just pulls that layer off and says, oh, by the way, this has been lurking underneath it's bigger, it's darker, it's more intense. And so one of the things I always try to say to people is our goal is to self-heal every day. Every day. Right. And so instead of looking at, oh God, when is my body going to stop hurting? Saying I, right now, my focus today is to, is to have my body be in alignment. You know, I teach, I teach these right now. I've, I've started doing this really awesome thing. So I've been teaching dance breaks, 20 minute dance breaks. They're awesome. They're, they're live right now. I mean, they're just amazing. And so it's completely led we're from wherever you are. So we're all on Zoom. So one, there's witnessing. Two, there are no moves. This isn't a class. This is an experience. So it's about being embodied. Three, we start with breath. We end with gratitude. So you're getting all of these little tiny bits and rituals. But the thing that I love about it is it's only 20 minutes. By the time you're done, you have realigned your chakra system. You are ready for the day or you are ending your day. So you're slowing yourself down. 
And this has become one of the tools that I give my energy clients because I recognize that I can send you long distance energy. We can do Reiki. We can talk and talk and talk. It's not until you embody this practice into your body that you're going to start to recognize that real change is possible. Yeah. But I always think that, don't you think that part of me thinks that the change isn't about changing the pain, it's changing the story that we have with the pain so that it starts to become the teacher and the muse and the wise one, and we start to work with it. And the pain has to shift because we are no longer aggravating it in this way where we're saying there's something wrong with it. Right. Yes. Yes. And what I want to add here is that there's also this whole piece, I think, that we forget that is actually physiological, which is the vagus nerve kind of shaking off the trauma. Right. And that that actually is like something that we see out in nature all the time with animals shaking trauma off. Yes. And it actually, it's like literally shaking it off so that that energetic harmony comes back into balance. And the other thing is that it's also those moments when I notice, it's the noticing like, oh, my nervous system is dysregulated and my mind might be asking that question, right? Which is like, am I ever going to, you know... Yep. But what else happens for me is that it's that moment where I get to be like, just like you said, kind to myself, offer myself compassion. What can I do to support my body in this moment? I'm so done with beating myself up. Yeah. I'm so fucking done with it. Yeah. I'm so exhausted by that approach. It doesn't serve anyone, least of all me. Embodiment is a subject I talk about in almost every episode of the Revelation Project podcast because I've discovered that for most women, it's the way back home to ourselves. When we reveal what truly gets in the way of loving the skin that we're in, then we allow the deep healing that aligns us to our true selves and opens us to the miracles and magic that's possible in our lives. For years, I was in a continual unconscious battle with myself. I punished myself based on what I thought my body should look like or for what I ate or didn't eat. When we feel ashamed of our own sacred bodies or blame ourselves for eating, we diminish our power and perpetuate the trance and the belief that we're not enough. It wasn't until I made peace with my body that a whole new world opened up for me, which is why I'm thrilled to share the Body Peace Seekers, created by Nina Mandelson, for women who desire a relationship with food and your body that is caring, nourishing, loving, and peaceful. Nina has guided thousands of women to feeling good in their own skin through Body Peace Seekers. It's a soul-nourishing opportunity to create a sustainably supportive relationship with yourself, as well as a sisterhood of women who are celebrating a new way of being in relationship with their own sacred bodies. So if you're listening today and want to be free of the tyranny of body shame and blame, then I want to encourage you to reach out to Nina. You can learn more about the Body Peace Seekers by visiting ninamandelson.com slash 
Body Peace Revelation. Again, that's ninamandelson.com slash bodypeacerevelation. Be sure to tell Nina, too, that you heard about her through the Revelation Project podcast because she has a special gift just for our listeners that will add another powerful level of support to your experience. Again, it's Nina Mandelson, N-I-N-A-M-A-N-O-L-S-O-N dot com slash body peace revelation. Maggie, I would love for you, because I often launch into these conversations without or or assuming that our audience all has the same definition of what oh, is Reiki. Yeah. So I, you know, yeah. I would love it if you could, could give us your, because I think different people express what it is differently and also what energy is to you. So I'd love to hear that. Thank you for asking me about my my kind of belief system about Reiki. The truth is, is that I believe that we all have the ability to self-heal. And the way I like to explain Reiki is that everything is energy. And there's this gorgeous universal life energy that is available to all of us. But in the practice of Reiki, there's this sacred symbols that it's like almost like a, it's like a tuning fork. Like it's like the Shazam, right? It's, there's something about it that actively, it actively allows me to tune into your energy quicker, more reliably, and kind of remind you of where you are. But my goal as an as an energy healer, and the reason I oh, the reason I get a little tripped up about the Reiki is because the truth is, is I don't really depend on Reiki. My my experience is actually more about it's probably more channeling or accessing to spirit, but I use it as one of my energy tools. And so ultimately what I really feel is that as practitioners of healing and self-healing, the ability, you know, when we give ourselves a hug, right, we can do this, we can close our hands around our body, we can feel our own body heat. And the brain is able to say, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling your hands, I get it, I'm giving myself a hug. But when someone else gives you a hug, it's a completely different experience because you've Mm -hmm. now connected these two energy bodies. And there is something about even long distance where you're nowhere near me, but I'm sending your energy. It, to me, it feels like communion. It feels like we have made a connection on a star level, on an energy level, on a cellular level that is reminding you that you are 100% perfect the way you are. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to remind you that it's already happened. You're already there. And so these little, these, you know, these, these, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, when I send energy across the world, I've had people say, like, I'm getting tingling in my body. How is that possible? Right? I mean, how is this all possible? But there is a truth to the fact that when we start to allow the veil of the unknown to come into this place of what if, what if we really can feel each other? It's like the intuition. You, you think about someone and someone suddenly calls you. What, how is that any different than someone sending you energy or sending you love or you know, this idea that you feel warmth in your heart? There's all these studies of people that are you know, monks who are meditating in these big groups and you know, they're able to lower their blood pressure and, and actually change the atmosphere of the energy around them. I have, I have friends who have changed the weather you know, in the space that they're living. And so I, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, and so I, 
Yeah. And so, and so I always feel like to me, when people ask me, what is Reiki? I say it is a universal life energy, which is accessible to all of us, but being in partnership is what makes it work. It, it's what it's, it's, it's the glue that we need. It's like that. It's to me, it's permission. Yes. It's permission to self-heal. And the truth is, is that you could literally trim everything I just said and just say that one phrase, what is Reiki? It's the permission to self-heal. I love that. Because, you know, because I think that that is the truth. And it's funny because here we are, we're trying to talk about this stuff. The dogs are coming in, the microphone's going funky because my, my source is going, it doesn't matter. Mm -mm. This is the cool thing is people come to me now. They have no idea where they found me, why they found me. They just know that they're ready to make a shift in their psyche. They're making a shift in the way that they see themselves talk about themselves, acknowledge their experiences. And they're just there. And, and honestly, as we both know, this pandemic has created a space for people to be forced to look at every aspect of their emotional, mental, physical health. That's right. You are redefining your tribe. You are redefining your value system. And in that, we have this incredible opportunity to celebrate in a way that does not take anyone down. It's no longer about you versus me. It's saying you and me. I have never wavered on my deeper understanding of this time as happening for us like in this way. There is no doubt in my mind that there is not divinity in this, you know, that there is not a cosmic conspiracy for good. Yeah. Let's start another podcast called con uh, Cosmic Conspiracy. Cosmic Conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. That I am so I in. love that. I love the, you know, that that phrase is is so poignant and it's so intensely true is that, you know, for all of the fear and the misunderstandings and the miscommunications and all these things that we're missing out on, what you just said is so, so viably beautiful, which is what if we looked at this as a gift? Even the stuff that sucks, you know, even, even those which, things that are tough. Which would mean we'd have to look at our trauma as mm -hmm, a gift. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What a, what a crappy, but delicious thing to think. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to me, it's, it's that whole thing of the, you, you said the phrase, which is, is happening to you, right? I love yes. this idea that the, when we change the, that tiny, tiny phrase from it's ha it happened to me to for me, when we really start to recognize that these are these opportunities, but you know, it's hard when you're really in the darkness, when you're really stuck, a lot of times, I think one of the things, and I'm not sure about you, but we can get addicted to that and we don't want to get out. I think that's hard to admit, but I think that there's like a payoff. Absolutely. Because it started really young. I mean, we can talk about food addictions and sugar addictions and alcohol. Let's talk about addiction to the pain body. Let's talk about, let's talk about recognizing that as a small person, looking, constantly looking for validation, uh, you know, not knowing what we're here for, what we're doing. We're just knowing we're taking in all this information. And at some level, you start to format, this is how I get attention. This is how I get loved. And then just like at the beginning of our conversation, when I kind of put the kibosh on the idea of 
this one formula of being a widow, right? It's like, just because my husband died did not mean that I lost the love of my life. I lost my best friend. I lost an absolutely beautiful human. I had never even known what was possible for intimate love until I met Daniel. Right. And, and so we have a story that we're stuck in and we just ride that out over and over and over. And we keep feeding that story because we actually have fed it so many times that it feels more comfortable than trying anything else. Well, the identity gets so kind of wrapped up in it. It's like, who am I without that story? Which, you know, (laughs) becomes a really, you know, again, if we can look at that as like a really magical place to create from versus like something scary and awful, or, you know, there's more to be revealed where that, you know, for all of us, I think, to begin that reauthoring process. And that's been really interesting for me as I continue my endeavor to write this Mm -hmm. book, right? It's like, I find myself going to the page and sometimes taking the same story and just rewriting it from a different perspective. And it's really been fascinating to just kind of give myself permission again to play with a different question. Like I loved in the last couple of episodes, I think it was a couple of episodes ago, Sarah was, I think it was our episode in Beautiful You or mm-hmm. Redefining Beauty that, oh. Yes, Redefining Beauty. And she said, what am I, what's right about this that I'm not getting, yeah. right? And yeah. I loved that. Again, these repositioning of questions that have us turn something on its head and look at it from a whole different vantage point. It just gives us access to, I think, other insights, revelations, possibilities. And the magic is always right here. I think it's just using those tools like you were talking about to work with our reality in different ways. Yeah, And this is what we're up to now. I think what the pandemic, you know, when we kind of look, we're in a, we're in a co-creative process that's very different that's that's getting very intentional. Yes. And I think the longer we're kind of have this space to explore, to recognize, to realize, should I go back to the rewords? (laughs) (laughs) We're remembering as well. Mm, I love remembering. Mm -hmm. Remembering who we really are without all of these, you know, without all of these constructs, without all of these masks, you know, and I, when I say that, I don't mean like the COVID Mm -hmm. masks, Mm -mm. the masks we've all been wearing. And so Maggie, I know you love to work with stones Mm -hmm. and I I I want to make sure that we get to this part of the conversation because I think so many people have, they go, you know, it's like, I, I love stones, but I don't know how to work with them. I don't know how to use them. I don't, I don't know what the, they really are all about. So, right, you know, and I, I would be in that category, mm-hmm. honestly, like I've, I've often, you know, 
tried working with stones. Like I, I was showing Maggie that I have a blue lapis mm-hmm. heart that I, or, or a Corsicola that I always, is that the name of it? That I always keep near me when I'm podcasting because throat chakra, right? And also it's the goddess stone. So there's that. Oh, that's a good one. So I wanted to just have you dive in wherever you want on that. Like what, what would you want to tell us? Yeah. Well, well, you know, it's it's funny because the I'm wearing my own personal talisman, and the irony is is that this actually isn't a crystal at all. It's actually a beach stone that I got down in Cape Cod, and that's one of the things that I love about using. So, you know, so crystals, of course, you know, crystals are amazing, and I'm actually I'm actually in the process of becoming a certified, like medical certified crystal healer, which I'm pretty excited. There's this incredible, and I will, and if it's okay for me to actually, is it okay for me to share a resource that I use? Cause this, of course, any, anything. Oh, okay. Awesome. The like literally amazing human that everyone should be following and really focusing on. His name is Kyle Gray, G-R-A-R-A-Y, UK, Kyle Gray, UK. Lovely. I say he's maybe in his early thirties. He's been doing crystal work since he was 14. And he is, he's my guru. One of the things I love about him, he has actually rechanged the way I look at every single part of crystals. So for instance, you have this gorgeous lapis, which is for people who are listening, is this really beautiful royal blue. The royal blue color is actually probably a little closer to the true color of our third eye than the the third chakra is more of a sky blue, which would be more um, aquamarine is kind of a traditional one for the voice and or also like the Corsicola. Yes, for like the Corsicola, which is a little bit of a lighter blue. There's things like celestite, which is actually a really beautiful light blue that actually has a connection to source energy and to um, really connecting to ancestors. The thing that I love about it that he has been really helping me understand is that we all have attraction to these certain stones. We're not exactly sure why. And there's this incredible history that they are true manifestors because they're basically from this earth. And they've been with this earth for so long that they are actual validations that manifestation and transformation can happen because these gorgeous little beings have, you know, these things have come from the earth and been carved out of the earth. So he is all about gratitude. So when you're working with stones, one of the things I've always heard, like, you know, you put your stones in the moonlight, right? That's how you clear them and you do all this stuff. He's got this incredible way of redefining this, that you can actually do it with intention, with visualization, but that you actually clear the dark energy. And then you thank every single person that has cut the stone out of the mountain, shipped it on a plane, moved it to you, been in the store that you got it. You know, all these things that, that you're, you're in this place of gratitude to basically set the intention to clear the stone. And he does this opposing energy, which is that when you're in the place of need, you use the opposite color. Mm. So you'd actually be calling in, like, let's say you were having a time where you weren't sure about your vocal cords, you'd be actually putting on like a citrine or some kind of an orange or a red stone to activate these colors. So I'm in this. So I love that you're asking me this because right now I am in this completely like mind blown experience of changing what I knew about crystals, which is 
you know, you can basically at this point go on to Google, type in any crystal healing energy, and it will give you this is the, you know, the ruby is all about royalty or properties. Yeah, right. You know, amethyst has these you know properties. But one of the things that I love about this is that, and this is the thing I love about working with people. So when I make jewelry for them, we use the stones as a way to help us figure out what stones we need to, you know, in the trade, whatever, wherever they're, whether they're celebrating something, it could be that someone had passed away and it's a, it's a celebration of their life. Um, It could be that they just went through a really rough time in their life and they're needing the confidence. So we'll actually use the energy of the stone. What I love is that most stones have more than one use. Mm -hmm. And every time I will look that stone up, it will only show me what is needed for that person. But yeah, so I find that, you know, I, so I, I actually send heart stones to my clients and I allow the stones to kind of talk to me. But what I find so awesome about it is, is that they're really, I, the way I like talking to people about crystals is that imagine them as being your elders. Mm. They're really here as this reminder of, of your beauty and your validation. And, and they help you attune and align to whatever it is that you're looking for. And, and I think that if the color is what you're attracted to, it's, it's almost like you can put the intention in it so you can use it any way you want. Does that make sense? Yeah. They all, they all vibrate at a similar vibration. So it's it's your intention that is the most important part of this. And so when I work with crystals myself, like I have people when I send my heart stones, I have I've had people use them to help with addiction. Mm. So they'll leave it in a place in their house that they can look at and remember, okay, I'm not alone. I'm working with someone I know and I'm, you know, it, it, it becomes their accountability stone. I have people who have physical pain and they'll actually rub it on the part of their body that's activated. But I feel that they are, to me, it's like journeying home. I mean, we are, star, we are stardust and they are that reminder of just the beauty and the celebration of our life. They're gorgeous. They're glittery, they're magical, and and they have the ability to transform energy. You know, when I, I you know, when I do crystal grids for people, I let the stones ch- choose. So I will say the person's name and I will get a little flash of almost like a flash of light, like a little flashlight has gone over the stone and I will just pick those stones up and create from that. Yeah. And so to me it's about once again, tapping into that unknown space, which is if you see these as your teachers, as you bless them and you thank them for the journey that they made to get to you, then they give you this opportunity, this gift to say, what is it that you want to learn from us? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's so much that makes sense in what you're saying. And to reflect back to you, what I'm hearing is that they're the stones and all of the matter, matter, you know, of which the world is made. There are these, they're eternal, but they're also mutable, changeable, transformable, right? Because you think about like water right. transforming a rock. And 
there are certain ways that the elements are always calling to us. So there's this elemental magic, I think, in terms of remembering, which to me is healing. To remember is to heal. And, and then there's this other part that is about intention and placing your intention on something again, so that it kind of becomes a mirror or a reminder of your remembering. And so it's beautiful to me. Like I always, I have my Ankh that I'm, mm. to me is like just a real talisman, a real symbol for me. And I also, you know, I have talismans <laughs> yeah. everywhere, yes. you know, like I have ritual, you know, before I do a podcast, before I meditate. And it's more to create a container of intention yeah, and to give myself the space to explore and heal or meditate on an inquiry, you know, something that is meant, yes, it is intended for more alignment, is like that deeper connection to the mystical too that I'm, I think it's, it's like if we're looking sometimes for the tangible mystical, right, that, that this can be helpful, you know, that it's, yeah. Even to have a stone in my pocket that has an intention that every time I touch it, it has a certain right intention associated with it. It's like, oh, yes, today I will be brave, you know, or like that. There's so many ways I, I feel like I've used them and I'm still so drawn to so many stones. And you recently were working with me with the migraine, mm -hmm. you know, and you were talking about the bloodstone. Yes. And how to use the bloodstone. Yes. And, it, and it's all about like, you know, what the gorgeous part about this is that based on the color of the stone, not so much, you know, what, what its name may be, but the color of the stone is, is pulling dark energy out, pulling, bringing in the light energy in. Mm activating the, you know, using the beautiful chakra system and reversing the colors to balance and then, at, you know, and then basically enhance. So I love this idea of like, you know, even this little pack of crystals that you have, you literally could have a black crystal. It's a jet. It could be jet. It could be, you know, obsidian. And then you have a quartz and just those two, that yin yang brings you back to that mystical space of the darkness, the light, the dark, you know, the dark night of the storm versus here comes that light that's going to come in and change that. And it's almost like pulling out the poison, but you have to replace it with something. And so the bloodstone is a wonderful stone, which then when you recognize, you can also activate your higher chakras with that because it's like tonify. It's like this idea of tonifying everything. And it is about the mystical nature of, of what our world is. It also reminds me when I was a kid, it's like the lucky, like the, the, the rabbit's foot. Yes. You know, people would rub a rabbit, you know, like you have a keychain with the rabbit's foot. That's right. Oh my gosh. I so forgot about that. You always, when I was a kid, I wanted a rabbit's right. foot. Yeah. Or you'd have a pet rock. 
right? You'd have a pet rock and you'd keep it in your pocket. And if you lost it, it was like this incredible, you know, you'd have this incredible feeling towards it. We, we put memory into these things. We, it is the personal talisman. It is those things. I, I carry stones in my bra. I'll put them in my pocket. And it is that remembrance. I am strong. I am safe. I am whatever it is that day. I, you know, I'm facing a challenge. It's actually part of the reason that in my jewelry making, that I asked for the personal talisman. I had one of my favorite experiences was a woman contacted me. Her 14-year-old son is facing a lot of anxiety and stress and is such an old soul that being a teenager is just, it's tearing him to pieces. And he is obsessed with Norse language. And this, I mean, this man, this young man. Like Norse mythology, Norse Norse language. Yeah. And like all the symbols. And he's just, so we made this, we made him a talisman he could wear. And I put a Norse symbol on the backside so that he would have that reminder that he could rub that he, it was like his, it was Mm. like his, you know, his rabbit foot. It's like that lucky stone in your pocket. That thing that gives you that I, you are not alone. Permission. Yes. It's giving permission and saying, we're doing this together. You know, it's like, how, how many ways can we, and you keep saying the word and I love the word remember. And it's something that I use in my work, which is my whole, my whole life is built on how many, how many ways can I remind you that you are beautiful? How many ways can I remind you that you are perfect exactly the way you are? How many tools? Because I, I like I, I love this idea that you know the masculine tool belt, right, is full of like you got the hammer and you got all this stuff, but the feminine tool belt, the energy tool belt, mm. is validations, is is sisterhood, is you know acknowledgement, is 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 crystals, is movement, is chakra shaking, is you know all of these things that we can offer each other. And have these little symbols like I send journey, I send journals so that you have a journey journal that you can, you know, you can write your notes down. But you said earlier when you're talking about writing your book, you'll rewrite the same page. The permission to allow yourself to rewrite that page is not only beautiful because you had to write the first story in order for the second story to be revealed. Mm -hmm. You can't skip it. Right. You, you can't skip it. It's, it's like, that's the thing that I love about the concept of, of allowing something to be revealed is that we try, just like when I was talking, people try to avoid, well, I'm going to tell you everything in my life, except this really, really poignant thing that happened to me because it really hurts. And I just don't want to talk about it. But that's the thing that when that, when that kind of boil gets, you know, discovered and released, then all of a sudden the skin heals, the body heals, the story heals. And so no wonder in this process you're in of being in the rhythm of a writer, of, of writing your stories, how gorgeous is it that you are giving yourself permission mm-hmm. to become even wiser with every word? What if we allowed ourselves to be as, as uh, flawed as we can be, right? You write your flawed version or your, you know, that version that just comes out and then you take what feels good to you and then you, you just <laughs> discard the rest and you move on. If you don't send that version out, nothing is possible. You can't change without acknowledging what doesn't work. Yeah. And it reminds me, speaking of that, you know, in that there is, you know, one thing that they have proved 
in quantum science is that in order for a cell to change, to activate, it has to first be witnessed. Yep. So it's, it's like, again, I love that, you know, so many of these mystical concepts can be and are backed you know, in ways that we can prove and see and, and not that we need to, but it certainly brings a level of depth and richness and solidity, I guess, to, you know, it's like that foundation from which to build on your own mysticism, your own practice of communing to go back to that with the divine, which in so many cases, I consider that energy, the unknown, the creative void. I don't necessarily, there's not a face on my God. Right. There's more of an essence. Yes. So I know, Maggie, like, we'll do this again for sure. Because yeah, because we could keep talking of forever. All, you're the most fun. <laughs> you're my, you're my favorite. You're my favorite, Monica. It is so true, though. Isn't that the, it is, there is something about being your fate, right? If I'm 100, that's really amazing. What, what Maggie's talking about is that, <laughs> Austin, you have to make this Austin, episode 100. There's some beyond symbolic. <laughs> it's symbolic. And meanwhile, he's in the background. He's like, like what? what? What are you saying? Yeah. We need, but yeah, we're so much fun. We're 100. And I'm totally. <laughs> I'm I'm totally what is it when I I'm coveting? Mm. Let's just do all the religious yeah, let's language. Just, let's I'm, just dive let's in. Do this. Dive in. Yeah. I'm coveting <laughs> yeah. that piece on your neck. It's so oh. beautiful. Thank you. You know, I've I, I picked it up over the summer on Cape Cod and I yeah, I just and what I love is I carve hearts on the backside so the wearer knows that they're loved and that no one else knows it's on there. So there's right now it's upside down because of our video, but I mean, come on, Maggie. <gasps> come on. But here's the fun part about that is that's the child, that's the child in me who it doesn't, who I don't love so deeply. Well, who loves who deeply, cares. but also, yeah, but also doesn't care if someone thinks that that's a kitsch thing to, I, I don't care if it's kitschy. I don't care if it's, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. But this is the thing. I mean, I think it's so loving. I mean, it is. And, and, and it shows that you love yourself because you're willing to just be like, here hearts, you know, I'm going to cart because it, it like has meaning for you. And you know that that person is going to wear it against their skin. Yeah, they're going to put it on and it's going to become a part of their story. But you know, it's funny too. And I love and I just want to acknowledge that I find it really funny how when when you ask questions about, you know, the concrete questions, what is Reiki? What, what are crystals? My little person is like, I don't care. I just know they work. You know, I mean, <laughs> like I have this there's this playfulness in me that's like, I can't honestly explain to you anything I do. I just know it is incredibly powerful and it works. Like, hey, don't tell anyone what it works. Oh my God. So good. I'm like, you go talk to the expert. Like Kyle Gray will send you down the crystal path. You can literally type in Reiki and get a gorgeous definition, but you asked me and I'm like, oh, uh, uh. <laughs> Yeah. Just, you don't need to know anything other than I'm your favorite. Exactly. Exactly. I can help you heal. I don't know why, but I can. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, it is, it is. It's like, <laughs> we're going to break the system. Only it's just it's, it's so like, perfect. Yeah, it's gonna be like, well, I guess the hundreds were their last show because every <laughs> for our listeners, the computer just fell off the pedestal. I mean, we are just we're a mess over here in the best way possible. In the best way. But I love it. I, you know, I just thank you for acknowledging, you know, I find that my, my wisdom comes from, I just trust I'm in a place of trust and it is just so awesome. It is. And it's just, yeah, it's so, it's so cool. And it feels so good. And it feel, you know, I have a couple other friends who are healers who they don't know how to talk about it. And I said, you know, you get to a point where you just don't feel like it's, you don't have to explain yourself anymore. Don't explain mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't stop explaining. Let's do a whole. <laughs> let's do a whole episode, and we'll just call it whisper. We could call it. We could call it the sleepover party. Mag- oh my gosh! Monica and Maggie are under the blanket and don't want to wake anyone. <laughs> it's a slumber party for all our favorites. <laughs> We're gonna tell you all the secrets of the universe. <laughs> Yes. Uh, oh, I love it. <laughs> All right. So, thank so you, Mags. Yes. Where, yep. where, where? <laughs> oh, bringing an element of bring, it, bring back in, bringing bring it back one in. modicum, a modicum <laughs> of professionalism. <laughs> can you tell yes. us where we can find more about you and how we can work with you? Ooh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So the best place to look for me is maggiemore.world. And you know what's really, you know what's so funny about that is that, do you know how many Maggie Moores there are in this world? Oh my gosh. You know, it's, it was really funny. I even tried to, I even tried to negotiate buying the dot com from someone because I was like, oh, I, I felt like maggiemore.world just seemed really pretentious, but I'm like, you know what? I'm calling it. Absolutely. MaggieMore.world. You want to find me? MaggieMore.world. So that's my Facebook. That's my Instagram. My website is actually MaggieMore.world. You can also follow me. uh, If you want to know a little bit more about what Monica has experienced with my chakra shaking, it's literally ChakraShaking.com. And I also, you know, my jewelry. So everything kind of blends together. You go to one site, you're going to get them all. And the third one is MaggieMoreJewelry.com. You you really can, you just got to go one. And once you go to Maggie Moore World, yeah. you will not want to come back <laughs> to this one. Well, I do. And I did. I, I'm really excited because I just got this gorgeous two-minute video done about my work, which I'm incredibly coherent. <laughs> oh, you're not <laughs> whispering. I'm not. I'm, I'm telling you the secrets <laughs> of the universe. The secrets of the universe oh my gosh. will be revealed. Um, yeah, I would love to, you know, and if, if for some reason you connect to me, please, 
please speak up. Please let me know where you heard me from. Let me give back to you. Let me make a connection. Monica is the bomb. And if that is how you found me, we are going to play. We are going to play. Oh my God. It's going to be so fun. Maggie, you know, I love you. I love you so much. And I'm going to put that little video clip. Oh, good. And and everything else about your world in the show notes. And until next time, more to be revealed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed. The way I express... (laughs) Yeah, perfect time for the the dogs. dogs. Perfect time. Hold on. Austin's coming in. Austin. So funny. Okay. Okay. He'll be in here in a minute and then they'll shut up. So taking a pause, taking a pause. Austin, do you want us to entertain you? Even though you're out in the car, but you're out in the car and we're here and you're editing this now. Isn't this weird? It's like quantum. (laughs) (laughs) Sending you quantum Sending you love from the other universes. Austin. Do you hear us calling? Get in here with my matcha green tea. I know you have a Starbucks. Do you want to go to Starbucks? <laughs> I, if he leaves this in here, he might. He might be like, you know what, bitches? I am leaving this shit in here because it is too good not to publish. Do you want to go to Starbucks? Do you want to get me matcha? Please give me what the universe wants for me. Yes, I have, Sam is like hearing your dogs and coming over for like, what's what's going on? Okay. What exactly? All right. Okay. Well, let's, see. let's see if this works. Puppies. We were just singing to you. You're going <laughs> to love this episode. Trust me. Okay. We're, we're going to you edit the shit out of this episode, yeah, sorry. but you're going to have so much fun. <laughs>